welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. This is your host, Dave Lewis, and thank you, Paul, for the introduction. Today, we are going to talk about lead nurturing, and this is a continuation in the series on lead management. If you haven't gone back and listened to the episodes on lead scoring, the demand funnel, and the overview on the five principles of successful lead management, I strongly recommend that you listen to those as well. And today, like I say, we're going to talk about lead nurturing. I'm not going to spend a lot of time describing what lead nurturing is because there's plenty written about that topic and I'm guessing most of you would rather focus on the how to do lead nurturing than spend a lot of time on what lead nurturing is and the justification for lead nurturing. I'm also assuming that of everybody listening into this episode, you probably fall into two different categories. There's those of you that are not doing any lead nurturing today, not because you don't have a marketing automation system, although maybe some of you don't, but maybe you just haven't advanced your use of marketing automation into lead nurturing. And there's those of you that certainly just want to do a better job of it. And this episode is really focused on both of you, both those that want to be doing lead nurturing and those of you that want to be doing a better job. All right, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on what lead nurturing is, but I do want to give my perspective on what lead nurturing is, and it's really just this. It's a programmatic set of touch points that you send to a particular lead or customer over time based on various triggers, and those triggers can be actions like actions a lead takes. It can be time-based, so drip nurturing. It can be based on a lack of action that a lead or customer takes or even inactivity for a certain period of time. Uh, It could be based on data changes. So if data changes in your CRM or in your marketing automation system, those data changes could trigger uh, a lead or customer flowing into a nurture segment. And it certainly could be a combination of these things as well. But basically, lead nurturing is a programmatic set of touch points, and the people who enter those nurtures are based on some type of triggers or data segmentation. Lead nurturing also doesn't mean just email nurturing, although that is extremely common and a great starting place to use just email as your touch point. But it is far more common these days to see people incorporate multi-channel nurtures that have email and SMS messages, uh, even incorporate ad retargeting, uh, like putting out ad display ads on, on Facebook or LinkedIn or other systems if your marketing automation supports that. Uh, Direct mail is also much more common today to incorporate into nurturing now that you can do print on demand. And even phone calling or uh, whether that's AI type uh, robotic calling or um, live calling as part of a programmatic flow. So not going to spend as much time getting into um, how to build an omni-channel lead nurturing program. But I do want to make the point up front that you should be considering those different touch points because they're certainly very relevant today. For example, let's say you're building a nurture program that uh, is B2C and you want uh, your prospect that when they arrive at a certain location to receive a message from you. You might uh, send that message if you had their mobile phone as an SMS message instead of an email. So there are lots of different ways to incorporate different touch points into the programmatic flow. Lead nurturing 
can really be thought of as a conversation between you and your prospect or customer that happens over time with content that facilitates engagement. Just sending a lot of emails to a prospect over time to keep top of mind, well, that really does not constitute true engagement. Engagement means a dialogue, not a monologue that you're having with that prospect or customer. And it comes as no surprise, right, that leads just don't automatically fall down your demand funnel. They don't go from lead capture all the way to client. So lead nurturing is an essential lead management program that you can use to help move people along the buying process. So let's talk about now how you design an effective lead nurturing program. And the best place to start is for you to really map out the key points within the buying process where prospects can be helped with relevant and useful information from you. And relevant and useful are really the key words in that statement. You know, the nurture isn't about you. It's not about your products and your service. The nurture, the information in the nurture should really be focused about their needs, your prospects needs and your customers needs. Think of this. They're really the hero in the story. It's not you. As I said, it's not your products. The other thing I want to make sure that you really think about as you start to craft these nurtures has to do again with your copy and the copy that you're going to create really should have far more emotion than most of the content that I see written traditionally. And that's because it's really rooted in biology around buying decisions that people make buying decisions based on emotions. Yes, there's logic and there's reasoning that is used, but at the end of the day, buying decisions are based on emotions. And there's much written about the topic uh, of that. And maybe sometime we'll spend some time on the podcast talking about neuromarketing. I'm starting here because if you design even the best programmatic nurture, and your copy misses the mark, your nurture is going to miss the mark. So really make sure that when you think about putting the nurture stream together, that you put these bite-sized pieces of information to the reader, and that copy is relevant and it is useful to them. So I'm going to read you two examples of some copy just to give you an example before we get into some of the different types of nurtures. The copy that I'm going to read is for a fictional company. It doesn't exist, a company that I call Dialife, and they make uh, diabetes management uh, solutions. So let me read to you the first copy, and you tell me which one is more powerful. So here's the first as an example. We believe that managing your diabetes should be painless and easier. We want to help you live a long and healthy life without the hassles of testing your blood sugars manually. So we created Dialife for you. It's an automated way to monitor your blood sugars 24 hours a day without ever pricking your finger. Wanna see how? That's one example. Here's a more traditional example uh, that's very product-centric and feature-centric. Get Dialife. It's a continuous glucose monitor that you place on your arm that uses laser beams to check your blood sugar levels instead of traditional blood testing. It's about the size of your thumb and is covered by most insurance companies. Watch this demo to learn more. So which of those copy blocks is more engaging to you? Hopefully you feel that it was the first one, even if you don't have diabetes. And so really focus on your copy, making it relevant and making it about them. Good nurtures are not just batch and blast marketing. 
Again, all too often we'll see someone approach nurturing where they string together a series of emails and have some wait steps in between. And while that's great that you're using your marketing automation system for true automation and you're automating a series of touch points, don't think of this as a series of random acts of marketing. It really, like I said, should be you thinking through what the buying process is and what type of relevant information they're going to need over time. So where are some good places that you should be using lead nurturing in your marketing efforts? And those are really in the both the upper funnel and lower funnel. I'll start off with the upper funnel. You know, for example, you could create and should create nurture programs called seed nurtures. And seed nurtures are really nurtures that are aimed at contexts that are above the funnel. Um, you know, this is the very upper level of the funnel where, you know, these people really haven't engaged with you. And so you might be buying lists or acquiring contacts and you need to pour them in to a nurture program. And by doing so, that way you can automate engagement in that very upper level and try to, you know, get some hand raisers, try to turn these suspects uh, into inquiries. Another next logical place to use nurturing would be for inquiry nurture. You know, now you've got some respondents, they've come to your website, they filled out a form, they're starting to engage with you. And maybe they haven't scored high enough yet because of their level of engagement, or you haven't captured enough information in order to determine if they're qualified. So an inquiry nurture continues the conversation, um, who has really responded to that seed nurture. Prospect enters the funnel as an inquiry and then begins to receive communication focused on educating this new prospect to increase their level of interest. And if you do this right, this top of funnel nurture further qualifies the prospect before an introduction is made to your lead development or sales rep. And what I mean by that is ideally you're capturing information about them or appending information that rounds out their profile uh, so you know more about their role, their company, their industry, and some of your probably lead scoring criteria is being captured um, during that process. Moving down the funnel, next place would be an MQL nurture, a marketing qualified lead nurture. And in an MQL nurture, the goal now is to really see if this qualified lead is ready to engage with the rep. Since an MQL is showing substantial interest based on the scoring system, the prospect is likely at a later stage in the buying process and might be ready to discuss their needs and your solution in more depth. And this type of nurture can have a huge impact on movement down the funnel because it's really, you know, automatically uh, tries to engage the MQL instead of waiting for sales to reach out when they get around to it. And although it's automated, uh, an effective technique is to have these drip emails appear as though they're coming from the assigned rep to the MQL. So making them even more personal and starting to create that engagement. You know, certainly you could build nurtures for other stages of the funnel, uh, but the inquiry and MQL stages are really great places to start. Before we move on, I want to suggest that after you get a default inquiry and MQL nurture in place, consider building custom nurture tracks within each of those so that you target your individual personas. For example, if your MQL nurture commonly has two or three different personas based on maybe industry, role, or even company size, you might develop separate tracks for each of them that contains content designed to help that persona move further down the funnel. Now, I know this may sound overwhelming at first because if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to think where to get started, I don't want to overwhelm you and have you think that you've got to build 20, 30, or 50 different nurture programs and tracks, but you know what? You might get to that point, and it's certainly 
you know, very useful to you to market while you sleep by automating all of these different communications across all these different buyer personas. Uh, just to wrap up on some different areas that you might use nurturing in the funnel, another great place is recycle nurturing, right? All your leads are not going to move all the way down the funnel and they're going to get handed back to marketing by sales. So if you have a way to status them as a recycle nurture in your CRM, imagine taking that status change and now flowing that former, let's say, MQL into a recycle nurture to continue engagement in a slower slower format, but to keep your company top of mind and try to get some re-engagement down the road. There's also tactical nurturing. You know, sometimes we nurture for a specific reason. Maybe you offer a free trial and after somebody signs up for a free trial, you might have a nurture stream that's trying to move them in uh, and download and install the product or help them learn about training and watch videos on how they can get value out of that free trial. That's an example of tactical nurturing and also a very common use uh, for automated nurtures. And one last example I'll give before we take a quick break is an onboarding nurture that's really targeted to a new customer. They've just become a customer of yours. They just purchased your product and nurturing is a great way for you to take that new customer relationship and build upon it with a post purchase nurture, uh, welcoming your new customer and showing the valuable resources that you have available to them. And many B2C marketers really shine here, while I found that B2B companies often overlook this key opportunity to build rapport with new customers around training and support and feedback. All right, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this and continue talking about how to build these effective nurtures. Have you ever felt that you're not getting the most out of your marketing automation system? Well, you're not alone. But there is an answer, an award-winning agency called DemandGen that can not only get your team out of batch and blast mode, but turn your team into high-performance marketers that drive more revenue and have the kind of results you're looking for. They also have a marketing dashboard to show it. Experts in Marketo, Eloqua, Salesforce, and dozens of other top marketing technology, the folks at DemandGen have helped hundreds of the top marketing teams around the country, and they can do the same for you. So stop feeling stressed. Check out their services at demandgen.com, just like it sounds, demandgen.com. And while you're there, be sure and visit their resource section, which is chock full of videos, free templates, and downloadable guides, all of which will help you be a better marketer. If you need a team that will get you to the next level, there's one waiting. They're just a click away. Demandgen.com. All right, back to David. All right, welcome back. Let's jump right back in and start talking about what's the basic recipe for a lead nurture. And the best analogy that I can give for what a well-designed lead nurture should kind of function like, it's a conversation between you and your prospect. Remember, conversation's a two-way street. And so what's the best way for you to initiate and structure and sustain a, a lead nurturing program? After working with you know hundreds of lead nurturing programs over the years and lots of clients, I find there's basically a basic recipe that, that almost any enterprise can implement to succeed and involves the following elements. And if you're not in a place where you can write these down, feel free to come back and re-listen to the podcast and jot these down because these are really the key elements that you should put in a nurture project brief. So the very first one and the most important is to have a defined objective for the nurture. This will absolutely get you away from just doing random acts of marketing and stringing together a bunch of emails with, with random pieces of content. If you actually have 
a objective for the nurturer, then you can think about stringing together content to achieve that objective. So ask yourself, what do you want the prospect to do or to know by the time your nurture ends? Establish very specific and measurable objectives for this. Um, otherwise, how can you determine you know, how well it did? Uh, if you can't define a specific measurable objective, you're really not going to be able to determine if the nurture is working. Uh, an example of a very vague nurture would be like increase awareness of our company or our product. A better objective would be something like convert 5% of the free trial users that sign up into paid subscribers. So that's an example of what I mean by a specific goal-oriented nurture. Uh, another measurable objective might be to move 8% of your inquiries that you generate into MQL status. So start with an objective, very, very clear, and you can measure your effectiveness of your nurture against the goal. The next is what your entry criteria is. You know, how will context feed into this program? I talked in the very beginning of the episode around the triggers, and I gave examples of triggers of activity and inactivity and data changes within your systems. Defining what your entry criteria is is going to help identify who moves into this specific nurture. You know, can a contact enter the nurture program more than once? That's an important thing to, to note down. Some nurtures are one-time pass and other nurtures make sense for someone to enter it more than one time. The next thing that you want to design in this recipe is what the exit criteria is. Uh, and if any of you don't remember the song Hotel California, uh, if that's before your time or you're not an Eagles fan, um, there's a line in the song and I won't sing it because I don't have a musical voice. Um, you can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. It's not that scenario. Um, you really need to decide under what conditions contacts should be removed from the program. Uh, it's when they complete the program or when they have achieved the goal, right? So what use cases should cause an exit? Uh, for example, how will you handle unsubscribe requests and hard bounces and successful registrations or changes to a record type? Uh, a for example might be, let's say your inquiry has now changed its status to MQL. Well, you'd want to pull them out of the inquiry nurture because they've achieved the goal if that's what the goal is. Next ingredient of your recipe is defining the touch points and the key messages for each one. And again, I really think you should create a nurture project brief. I think we have some examples of that on our website on demandgen.com that you can download. Do you envision only one track for your contacts entering the program or are you going to need multiple tracks for these different personas? Defining all the different touch points, the key messages and the call to action is a, a critical definition step. And picture it in, in your mind, if you will, like a matrix that has touch point, objective of the touch point, what the messaging is, and what the call to action is. And you're certainly going to want to define how many touch points there are going to be for each track of your nurture and what, like I said, that key message or call to action. You also want to define what type of channel this nurture is going to be. Is it direct mail, SMS, email, an outbound call, a remarketing ad? As I said before, you want to think of omni-channel nurturing where it's appropriate. And so you want to define what kind of touch point that is. Next ingredient in the recipe in this nurture project brief is defining the frequency and timing. You know, is there a waiting period at the beginning of the program before any evaluations are performed or any emails are sent? 
Uh, what about the end of the program? And what's the waiting period between each of the touch points? And is it waiting based on a specific date or a, a certain number of days or hours in between? Or are you waiting for a certain trigger? You know, I gave the example of the SMS message, right? Uh, in the very beginning of the episode where I talked about a B2C hotel. If you know the person's check-in day is on a specific date, uh, and you know that they're probably going to either arrive at the hotel at a certain window, you might send that text message either leading to their arrival at the hotel or after they have arrived. And then maybe think about the next day, early in the morning, an email about the various facilities at the hotel, like the spa and the restaurants um, that they might want to uh, take advantage of. So thinking about that buyer's journey and thinking about are there specific time periods when that journey occurs or certain amount of wait periods that should happen, activity or inactivity, all great examples of defining the frequency and timing and whether things are going to trigger. Next part of your nurture project brief should have what assets are going to be required. Hopefully most of these exist, sometimes they don't, and this is a really crucial component of any type of nurture program, and that's the content. Are landing pages or fulfillment materials going to be needed for any of those touch points of the nurture in general? Uh, do those materials already exist? Like I said, you know, how many emails must be created and what type of template are you going to use? So you want to define everything about your assets that are going to be required in terms of the outbound touch point as well as any call to actions. Two more left, reporting requirements. How are you going to measure the success of the nurture? If there is an objective and it's well-defined, be sure you know upfront how you're going to measure it. And you want specific, really defined metrics in order to track the results of your nurture. And then lastly, probably as important as any other step, what's the post-nurture plan? You know, we don't want to do any kind of silver bullet marketing. And even though we're doing nurturing, which is multiple bullets, at the end of that program, we should think about what's next. Um, because you'll find that as you think about what happens after the nurture, it really forces you to think about whether the objective has been achieved and certainly what's the next step if there is one along that journey. It also ties back to the exit criteria, right? If somebody does exit out of the nurture, if they exit out successfully, maybe that is the end of the nurture. But if they exit out unsuccessfully, maybe there is a different path to take them on altogether, like an inquiry that doesn't convert to MQL. What are you going to do with that? Let it rot and decay in your database or do something else? So hopefully that's helpful to think of all the different elements, the different recipe ingredients uh, of a successful nurture. And I do recommend that you put together an actual nurture project brief, just like a standard creative brief that you use for the nurtures. It's certainly a way that my company, DemandGen, works with our clients and not only creates a nurture brief, but we document it with a Visio or similar type of flowchart program, how the nurture works, and think through all that before we implement it. All right, before we wrap up, just a couple more thoughts on content. And by the way, if you know, you're really digging this content and you want to learn more about nurturing, definitely download a copy of my book, Manufacturing Demand. Chapter six is all about nurturing, and I go into way more depth about different nurture examples as well as give some use cases um, and, and some case studies. So for example, where I talked about the demand funnel and various nurtures at different stages, I go into way more depth in the book. So if you really want to do some programmatic nurtures in your demand funnel, you know, definitely dig into the book and, and get some more education. 
All right. In a moment, I'll summarize some of the key takeaways just to recap uh, things for you. But before I do that, want to talk a little bit about content again and, you know, having the right bait. I like to use the term lead bait uh, when I talk about content. You can have the best design nurture in the world programmatically. Just everything works. Everything's dialed in all the elements that we just talked about. But if you have poor content, your nurture is going to fail. And far too long, uh, we've seen people, you know, create content that's all about your products and your services. And as I said early, you know, your prospect and your customer is the hero, not your product or service. So make sure that you're creating far more educational content that is beneficial to your target than it is to you or self-serving. And I can't stress that enough. I mean, think about it for yourself as a marketer, right? Over the last year or so, we've heard a ton about ABM. Wouldn't you prefer educational content from MarTech vendors that are helping you get educated about what ABM is and how to apply ABM principles to your business before you start hearing the specifics about their product? You know, once you're bought in and you're educated on ABM and the strategy and the methodologies, then maybe you're ready to hear about the technologies and solutions that will help you. So as you map out your buyer's journey, think about as they go through the awareness, interest, desire, and action, how your content is going to line up against those various needs at those different stages. Can't stress that enough. You got to have great content or your nurture is going to. All right. So let's hit the key takeaways just to wrap things up. Remember, not every lead is going to proceed through the demand funnel at the planned pace that you hope. Lead nurturing is a way to guide these leads through the funnel by offering the right information to the right person at the right time. We want to have nurture programs for all the key stages of the funnel with well-defined goals to help them move along. Nurture campaigns need to be about the buyer, not about the seller, not about you. What are some of the goals that you should have for lead nurturing? Your goal should be around accelerating the sales process keeping your company and solution top of mind. I mean, you definitely are doing nurturing to stay top of mind uh, and stay front and center, but you're doing it in a way that's adding value as opposed to just, hey, look at me, look at my product, look at my service. Reveal the benefits of your solution and educate them in sound bites, right? We live in a snack-sized world these days, so you can't write long copy or have gigantic assets for people to download unless that's truly appropriate. If it's a video, make it a few minutes, 10 minutes at the most. If it's a webinar, boy, that's that's a big investment of someone's time. Think if you can shorten your content or break it up into different modules. Another goal is you definitely want to capture additional qualification information and you want to measure and increase the prospect's interest to add value to their lead score over time. Those are some of the goals. Remember, closed one doesn't equal closed done. So you want to have lower funnel nurtures as well. You definitely want to identify any place you should have a tactical nurture because you want to make sure that you are, uh, if you're offering free trials, you're moving people into those free trials. Or if you have a subscription-based business, you want to be making sure that you're adding value through their use and adoption of the product and learning about your training and customer service resources. So nurturing, they're big projects, they're important projects, but you know what? It's marketing while you sleep and it's worth it. If you are caught in batch and blast mode, get yourself out of that. Start doing nurturing. Download a copy of my book off demandgen.com. Think about reaching out to an agency like DemandGen to get help with this. If A, you don't have the bandwidth or don't have the expertise, but I do hope today's episode was really helpful for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and I look forward to having you on the next episode of DemandGen Radio. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio. 
bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing. 